What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Deep Space Nine. Today, we are talking about Season 4, Episode 19, Shattered Mirror. Mike, it might be another one of our mirror episodes. What's going to happen? How's it going, Mike? It's going well, Keith. Thanks for having me today. So nice to join you, as always. Sh the, uh, the alternate universe episodes mean one thing to me, and, and that is extra horny. And this one did not super, disappoint. This did not super disappoint. horny, super pew pew. That's yeah. what we get. And and like somebody's gonna die. Yeah, and uh, I think we're three for three in this episode of of those criteria. We yeah, we definitely are. So uh, lots to talk about as uh, as our, our our parallel season, right? We have our Deep Space Nine world happening, but there's a second series going on with the Terrans and the Rebels, uh, and we will talk about. What all is happening? How how are they able to, uh, you know, keep a world happening with everybody dying all the time? But uh, yeah, and it was I was for a moment wondering whether I was supposed to just automatically remember the entire political lore of a separate dimension when I'm trying to just hold on to our current dimension of the show. <laughs> so which I, is already a separate dimension from our dimension, right? So I, I definitely don't think I was but it's you know the basic like you know rebels other things it's just the power dynamics yeah. are a little different that's all I mean essentially it's Star Wars over there mm -hmm. it's Star Trek in our universe and Star Wars in the mirror universe I also just forgot I think one of my favorite things about this episode before we even get into it is oh. is that we just had last week where we just sung the praises of Alexander Siddig and the writing of of the Bashir character and then right, the very right. next week, we get back to this like swashbuckling bad wig thing happening, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, "What has happened in a week's time? A mere week's time?" I'm a tough guy now because I'm shouting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're you're losing all kinds of packets on my side, but I see that. All right, I've got too much running on. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, close some things on my shut down and away and away craft. You know, while you do that, Keith, I'm gonna pull up a really funny. Uh, Photograph that dear friend, ne'er I say, con contributor, ne'er I say, just basic employee at this point, uh, unpaid employee intern, uh, uh -huh. JD makes sent me yet another great image for this week based on some, based on some joking that we did during the watch along last night, which Ooh, was an I'm incredible excited. crew. We had uh, friends of the show. Uh, and the mysterious, the mysterious household joined in. We had JD. We had, uh, of course, Jason Tiberius Mo. You know some great friends. You know you, out there. Me? No. If no, you're I doing don't, a watch along, and guess what? I, I see you enough, buddy. I know some people have just joined the watch along from the beginning and are in season two, some in season one. If you want to watch with me and some of our mm -hmm. patrons, you can do so. You can get in for the low, low price of one dollar over at Patreon.com/KNDM. You can give more if you decide it's worth it. But we wanted to allow anyone and everyone to get in. And, uh, oh, no. Oh, how am I going to get Do this if I can't log in? Hold on. That's okay. Log I'm, in? I'm what do you need to log in? He sent it on the Facebook Messenger. Oh, I see. All right. Well, while you do that, let us talk about last week's episode, Hard Time. Because yes, you, idea. the viewers, had a lot of thoughts and feelings about this. Uh, general consensus. Great episode. So here are the ratings. Joshua Cronin gives it a 79. That's our low low watermark. Okay. JD with a 93. Harry Pothead with a full 100. Nice. Warp's Big Old Boot Shivs with a 90. Kevin Miles with a 94. 
And we had not one, but two of our friends leave us a super thanks so that we read their comment, uh, including Jason Moe with a very generous one, already a top tier patron. Thank you, Jason. Uh, he definitely wants this Moe's read. Jason basically paying for college. <laughs> so uh, Jason says, great episode of Deep Space Nine, but one thing is ringing a little bit false to me. Mm about it. The more I think on it, as a dad, if I was in Miles' situation, i.e. he was uh, in virtual prison for 20 years, the worst torture of it all would be that I was missing my kids growing up. As far as Miles knows, Molly is now a 25-year-old woman and he's missed most of her childhood. He's potentially missed her wedding. He may even have grandkids out there that he'll never know. That would be the worst part of it all, at least for me, and I would imagine for Miles too. Think Matthew McConaughey levels of sobbing in Interstellar here. So I similarly find it hard to believe that he would have forgotten that Keiko was pregnant. That knowledge would potentially be even more torturing. He has a 20-year-old kid out there who he never met, who never met his father, who Keiko had to raise without Miles. Now, I can believe that Miles might have willfully chosen to forget she was pregnant in order to make it just a little easier to deal with things, but that wasn't really alluded to. Uh, every day in that cell, I would wake up wondering what was happening to my kids, whatever happened to Keiko. So when Miles returned to Deep Space Nine, I find his reactions to seeing Keiko and Molly again a bit underwhelming. Though he's clearly been through the ringer and is dealing with some serious PTSD, I still think he'd be overjoyed to learn that he didn't miss those formative years with Molly after all, and that Keiko is right there where he left her, still alive and well, and hot. Mm-hmm. This is uh, just an angle I wish had been addressed a bit in the show. And as you mentioned, they only have 45 minutes to work with, so I can definitely forgive it. It's still an interstellar episode, which I award 90 stem ball. Jason, damn, that is a fantastic point that I think, honestly, the... Uh, the life experience that you have as a parent, it, it's super obvious once you point it out. Of mm-hmm. course, that would be like a huge part of it. Uh, but neither one of us are parents, so we didn't think of it immediately like you did. Um, and I think it's a, a, a fantastic point. Mike, talk on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does, you know, 20 years is a long time and 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 being in isolated confinement can really screw with your brain. Uh, so, I mean, I guess you could chalk it up to that. Uh, but he didn't forget Molly, and I think just as important as Molly would be the the unborn baby that he just found out about. So it's it's a small thing, but I think the fact that it affects parents and stands out uh, does does probably indicate that they they someone maybe in the room should have brought that up. I don't know if there was a way to address it, maybe in some dialogue, or maybe for all we know, there was a scene that they maybe snipped snipped for time. That's a good uh, point. Yeah, but uh, a salient point, and I think I think important. Yeah, I, 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 it's it, the minute I, I read that comment, I'm like, oh, duh, of course. How would that not be like a giant thing for Miles there? So we also, our old friend Sans Deity is back and has this to say. Hey guys, long time no see. Life has been hectic. Just moved in with my fiance. Hey, congrats. congratulations, yep. Sans Deity. That's fantastic. Uh, that's a uh, uh, mazel tov. That's very exciting. Now, question for Sans, and he can respond or not. It's up to you. I don't okay. want to get too personal, but is it a, a new woman or is it a the a, an interdimensional clone of a previous fiance that has passed away? 
we or we also do not know uh, the gender of the fiance. Yeah, yeah, true. My my bad. No, so, no means that. My more point was the joke. I think it was what I was really going for there. Oh yes, was it? <laughs> I was like, Mike, why you can't even make assumptions? What's wrong with you? <laughs> but yes, uh, it's possible that your your fiance could have died in this universe, and you just grabbed another one from. In a which case, condolences. And then congratulations. Yes, con- congratulations. This is terrible. This has not been some good podcasting Condol- right Condolgulations? here. Condolgulations? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Work on it. Uh, anyway, uh, some other stuff, life stuff has kept me away, but I'm back, baby. It was only a few weeks, but it felt much longer. I agree, we missed you. Basically, I'm Miles O'Brien. But anyway, this is easily one of my favorite episodes of the entire series, and Colin Meany kills it. He does. And it's char, but um, something that struck me this time while watching is it's as how it's a bit of a microcosm of Deep Space Nine. Hmm. It's about how your flaws are always there, and that morality and the right thing to do are not black and white, and those flaws don't make you a bad person, but you still have to live with them while you can't pretend that everything is sunshine and roses and everything will work out in the end perfectly like it seems to every time on The Next Generation. Yeah, another great, that's a that's a, another fantastic point. That is sort of the, the acceptance of your humanity is both a key to Deep Space Nine, but also just humanity. Bad things happen to good people and they have flaws, but the best people, like our heroes, rise above it and grow. The image of O'Brien with a phaser under his chin is a great one. Obviously, Star Trek has dealt with the idea of suicide, but it's usually uh, with a Klingon, like Kern or Worf himself in ethics on Next Gen, or someone is killing themselves for some more noble purpose. But this is a human ready to kill themselves because of mental. the mental anguish is too much. My one complaint is is that in a very undeep space nine type move spoiler alert this crazy experience has zero follow-ups in future episodes boo agreed but not the only person to say that and one last thing i know you guys especially mike are stephen king fans so you may appreciate that craig wasson who plays hr did an excellent reading of november 26 63 uh which is that not just a date it is the title of his Go back in time and save JFK book. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I very much enjoyed that book. And by the way, I want to throw some flowers his way for his really good, understated performance. This episode would not be as good without him. 96 self-sealing stem bolts. Uh, All excellent points. I did not listen to the audiobook of that one. I actually just read it old school style, but uh, really good really fun book uh the there was an adaptation on hulu mm-hmm. i believe with uh james franco which actually was pretty good so yeah it was it was pretty decent obviously the he, opening monologue for, by the guy from deadwood is so freaking good he, oh amazing uh what's uh oh my god what's the actor well not for i don't know well, just it, go go watch the first 10 minutes of that just to see his performance of his reading that old story amazing uh, anyway, shall we get into Shattered Mirror, Mike? Let's Did you pull it. up the picture from JD? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put it in the screening room. All right, very good. So Shattered Mirror shattered our lives on April 22nd, 1996. Our ears were being shattered by Celine Dion's Because You Loved Me. Keith, nobody wants to hear me sing, it turns out. So uh, I found a good That's friend of ours. That's why we do it. Yeah, I know. Uh, 
and it's not JD makes. This is JK Sachs. Uh, and you can check him out on JK Sachs. 17,000 views says you need to hear this. Does JK play sax? Yes. He's doing a sax. He does sax. He does, <laughs> he's, he's not going to sing. He just He does just way. sax covers. Yeah. <laughs> and he might be a staple on the channel. So let's get <laughs> Oh, thank you, J.K. Sachs. <laughs> J.K. Sachs. Love it. Oh, this is really just giving me a great vibe here on, oh, uh, yeah, incredible. on Tuesday afternoon. Well, the top movie uh, was shattering the screen's primal fear in its third week on the top of the charts. I need to go back and watch it or watch it the first or second. I don't remember if I've seen it before, but mm-hmm. uh, there we were. Uh, if, uh, if our, if our movie screens were shattered and we had to go to these small screens, what would we be watching on TV tonight? Uh, well, let me tell you, Keith, because I'm a stickler for this sound. I need to get my backgrounds back. Ah, oh, there you go. Oh, oh, we're back Much on better. the ship. Ooh, yeah. We lost power. I mean, life support mm-hmm, goes out. Mm-hmm. The engines aren't going. Uh, there was a great scene this week, in fact, Keith, where they were out in the hallways and the ambient sound was pretty loud, but then they went into one of the rooms and the doors closed and you could hear somebody, someone, somewhere fading that sound out a little bit to uh, make it. That's right. That would be Sean's job tell, once we get to Voyager. Telling the story, telling the story with sound. Uh, all important. Okay, so Second Noah was still on TV. We've we've talked about that at, at Nausea. Uh, ABC played a something special, Murder One chapter 21 chapter 22 so that was like a i guess a special um this fox was airing a great special keith which they're still nailing fox definitely has a brand uh at eight o'clock prime time they aired a special called why planes go down luckily, uh, luckily we finished not, that problem i'm yeah right <laughs> I, I don't know I, I when animals attack was that was my jam mm-hmm. Uh, I want to shout out that NBC was airing another new episode of the fresh prince of bel-air with a great title it was called i stank horse <laughs> which is uh, very great. It was okay, followed at 9... Okay, I stand course, good, yep. Followed at 9 p.m. from Unsolved Mysteries was back with a new episode, Voices from the Grave. And, Keith, something I'm sure mm-hmm. both of us watched, on PBS at 8 p.m., David Attenborough's Natural World was airing The Immortal Salamander on its first new airing. So thank you, wow. David Attenborough, for all of your work. You are a gift to humankind. Ah, uh, indeed, The Immortal salamander perhaps uh maybe one of janeway's babies Mm -hmm. baby salamanders you're going to understand that later mike i stank face and on pbs i salamander okay well uh i was not watching voyager because they were once again off this week but i was watching reading the weekly world news headlines hitting up it's not prophecies of doom but we do have both elvis and aliens this week uh super fun Faces FBI on Mars fo- bombshell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's uh, it's a little bit ambiguous. They're, usually their Photoshop is like, it's just like Delta Burke, like, hi, I'm on Mars. But that was a little ambiguous. But uh, Elvis, very much still alive in 1982. You know, uh, Elvis, I, I, definitely, I definitely don't think Elvis was or is alive. Because, I mean, this we're in the age now, Keith, of the reboot. And mm-hmm. definitely Elvis would have rebooted by now. If Billy Joel's coming out with a new song then Elvis definitely would do a re-release. Yeah, it's been 37 years. All right. Is that your Elvis? <laughs> Can we hear a little more of that? That was great. 
Well, I'll tell you, the director is James L. Conway. <laughs> oh, folks. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> you do some great impressions. That one? That one needs well, a, I have to, a I couple have to days of rehearsal. Well, you know, it's it's a little bit like, was she a great big fat person? Oh, yeah? That's pretty much a... Mm-hmm. It's a, it directs Deep Space Nine or it gets the hose. All right, so uh, this episode was directed by James L. Conway. You're a good last friend directed- is, Keith. A friend is someone who always finds you funny no matter what. <laughs> I just You are cracking my ish up today. <laughs> look, look, hey, I'm funny for different reasons. Sometimes it's, it's uh, you know. I think I like could the- listen to you do the guy from Silence of the Lambs for, for all day, <laughs> just as ASMR. <laughs> Do the entire episode. You're great. It gets sleepy. <laughs> Would you watch Deep Space Nine? I'd watch Deep Space Nine. Let's go. Oh my god. All right. So this was written by Ira Stephen Bear and Hans Beimler, who last wrote on Return to Grace. And Ira Stephen Bear, of course, is the new showrunner this season. Which means it's time for. Oh man, I'm sorry. I was I was giggling. Now Keith, waste your time with trivial trivia. I love that it takes 18 minutes and then we roll the bumper that says we're wasting your time. <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna waste your time. Right, right. So uh, Aaron Eisenberg is a trained martial, martial, martial artist huh. and did all of his own stunts for the episode. Uh, which is very cool. I mean, the Definitely hip toss? should use that more. He does like a hip more. toss, right? That's what he does. Well, oh, he gets shot. Oh yeah, right. That's so true. he gets zapped and has to do like the the fallback. I think the mirror universe version of Worf makes his first appearance in this episode. However, Michael Dorn was originally scheduled to appear as Worf in crossover. Mm way back uh, a couple seasons ago, but he was unable to do so because he was shooting the final season of The Next Generation at the time. Um, But I think Worf is particularly well-suited for the mirror universe. All right, you've already uh, talked about it a good amount thus far, but you should very quickly introduce our very important patrons. Keith, every week, we waste a lot of your time, but also some of you like it, and... Those people who really like it donate to the show and also get some free cool stuff and you can do the same by joining the few the proud the patrons. That's Bryant, Kimball Beersock, Casey Clark, Jason Moe, Peter Bank, Frank Rinch, Joshua Cronin, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Novoa, and the mysterious Wharf's Big Old Boot Ships, Charles Babbage, Harry Pothead, CRM Productions, Nikolai Ivanovich, Lobachevsky, Delusions at Noon, YouTube viewer James Hubbard, Chesley Anguished, who I had a was very kind to me. I apologized, uh, I sent him a note. Apologize for misgendering as Chelsea last week. Uh, Keith, not offended. Definitely says it happens. JD Makes, Colin Dagan, Chris Mitchell, CRM, Pat, Joshua Cronin, JD, Lutz Kremer, and Wyatt Eldridge. You want to get your name on the slide? You want to get your name read and butchered by me? You want to get some free mm. stuff? Keith, we had some conversations about what our next family picnic is. I think we're going to watch one of the next Trek movies. We're gonna, we are gonna—we have some options. Uh, we're going to decide okay. and post a poll for the time. So if you want to get in before we do that and watch along with us, Patreon.com slash KNDM. But, Keith, but there is controversy. Mm. Oh, okay. We got a new patron this week. They didn't make it to the slide, but it's not just any patron. It is the Chancellor of the entire Empire. That's right. He became a patron this week. My wife decided she wanted the feed 
and I can't figure out how to give it to her for free. <laughs> so she had to pay and decided what? to pay. I did, I, pull out that sentence for out of context. <laughs> so you'd think that one of her employees would remember to put her on the slide. Did not. Uh, so she mentioned she she asked me today, is he is Keith going to remember? And I said, no. And, uh, no, no, I, I, because you texted me. While I was doing something else, like it's gone. You you, you realize how much the three of us text? You got seven that is days, so baby. far down a feed, you like days. you wouldn't. Yeah, seven days, or she's gonna be mad. Okay, all right. Well, we you do not want to piss off the chancellor. The good news this... is that she doesn't watch this show, so I will tell her that it was there. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, you're gonna charge her for it, then lie to her. That's great. Well, did I charge her, or am I just now paying for my own podcast? But that's right. Well, you're basically you're paying Patreon yeah. because like you're you're gonna get back half of half of what you're putting into the thing you already own. You know that's the story of the K and M Empire, folks. Slowly bleeding mm. us dry. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly. Yeah. Right. All right. Here we go. All right. All right. All right. So uh, let us continue by talking about our guest stars this week, which include Felicia M. Bell as Jennifer Sisko, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Carlos Carrasco as Officer, and special guest star Andrew Robinson, uh, friend of the friend show, of the show. Yeah. as Garrick. You know, Let some us say Andrew and I are on first name basis. Yeah, well, he certainly has said both of our first names mm -hmm. for money. <laughs> Just like... Uh, Speaking of bleeding us slowly dry. He's sort of like an opposite patron. <laughs> Let's go into our screening room, shall we? So much fun. All right, so Mike Kim, should never sing. Mike should never sing. I <laughs> let me tell you, the vitriol that you take on all of our various shows for your singing it, as a professional singer. It brings me a lot of joy actually. You get paid money to sing regularly. Mm -hmm. yeah. But uh the internet is just Gobsmacked. I, I will, to the internet's credit, I have a character I do at home for myself and for Jen and on the internet, which is this like weird voice I do. And I, that's how I sing on the show. And so I, I it is annoying. I, I purposefully so. So uh, I oh, take no oh. offense by it. Oh, Mike, we know you're annoying. <laughs> don't, don't worry. That's been said too. The guy with the hat dropped we, on our other show, Keith oh, and Mike yeah. uh, look at Star Trek toys. So we get comments all the time. It's like, hey, Keith, great show. You should drop the guy with the hat. <laughs> Oh, all right, before you all drop us, let's get into the episode. Mm -hmm. So we begin with Jake, who has writer's block. So he's people watching on the promenade, near where he and Nog used to hang out. Odo comes up, and Jake thinks he's about to be thrown out, but Odo says, hey, you're 43 now. You can stand all you want. Besides, the problem was usually your slightly shorter buddy with a big mouth mic. Yeah. That, that's why we moved you on. Drop the guy with the big ears. Drop drop the guy with the big ears. Yeah, exactly. Also, he looks 40 now. Jake Jake is, uh, he's grown another six inches, because he's not a, in every episode, obviously, so. 
He's a part-time. So then Quark comes up and probably accurately points out that Jake is there because he misses Nog. And Jake walks back home annoyed. Quark great, says... Great, great beat, though, because I thought... Yeah, he's so good, man. He's just so good, Shimmerman. Because as he sort of, like, talks about how Nog is wasting himself and he lost a good waiter and all these things, you can just tense by the sense by the tenor of his voice that he's really expressing that he misses Nog, too, in his way. Which oh, is, sure. Is so oh, sure. It's, it, is, it is remarkably uh, emotionally aware that Quark knows exactly what's going on with Jake there. Yeah. And and like he's he's much he's much more keyed into what people are feeling than you think he is. To to the to the strength of DS9 speaking to one of the comments we had earlier. You know, it takes balls to do a whole episode about trauma, right? And PTSD and then follow that up with a a albeit kind of campy and horny episode about loneliness and loss, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really just something, you know, whereas I think, you know, and I haven't watched the entirety of Next Gen, but I think what people are saying is it was very much for people who needed a very black and white, good guy, bad guy, good guy wins at the end type of episodes. This is much more into the emotional nuance, baby. Well, have you seen that meme that's going around with uh, the picture from Wednesday, from Wednesday, the TV show? Yes. It's like the the blonde girl, like I'm next generation, and Wednesday, like I'm Deep Space Nine. That's a, I think that that was very accurately put. Anyway, uh, Quark says, "Hey, that's what you get for having friends. Just when you think you can count on them, they go off and leave you. Nah, you're better, much better off without them." Odo says, "I imagine that's why you don't have any friends. Look who's talking." Savage. Uh, of course, like they have vi- the most loyal of frenemies in each other. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jake walks into his quarter to find his father chatting with his dead mother. So uh, that is a bit of a mind fornication that poor Jake is going to have to deal with for the rest and of the And a episode. great teaser cut, too, because really could have gone either way. My expectation, which was subverted, was that he was going to be all kinds of either moody and or upset or respond negatively in some sort of way. And I love that. I think that was their expectation as most people's response or what they thought people would think. Because when they come back from the teaser and he just instantly goes into this beaming smile, I think it is really effective. Yeah. And it's it's much sadder this way. Mm -hmm. It's like, and I think like it's there, but it could definitely be there a lot more like this is absolutely cruel to Jake and and I I think I think uh Ben really screwed up by not like warning Jake into like I, he wasn't expecting Jake to come home like I get it it was he was surprised by it but like uh don't let your kid walk in unexpectedly to his dead mom uh, yes and I think that you know I think probably parents and uh friend of the show dear to the comment earlier would say hey you know like his parental override there would make him think that but let's not undercount his own internal conflict and also you know not just internal conflict he's he's got a lot going on hormonally and mind like there's a lot going on for ben here i think maybe got a little for for both of them but this is not his first interaction with her because they met before so anyway i was like oh my god jake I don't know. I think it's there's sort of it'd be deceitful to not let him know that there that she he knows of. Oh, oh no no no! I don't mean like pretend that she's not there, but just like uh, hey oh, Jake, heads up. Uh, be, S- be, send heads an email up. before you get home. Like uh, 
just you know, just so you know, your 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 alternate universe dead mom is here. So that's like, fair. send a text, man. Send a text. Just send a bro a text. I think that's what I'm saying. So in Act One, Jennifer and Cisco explain who she is to Jake. She's from the Mirror Universe, and Jake is excited to meet her. And we find out there's good news from the other side. The rebels have retaken Tarek Nor. Cisco is called off, but he leaves Jake and Jennifer to have the most awkward conversation of all time. Here, the nobody encapsulation of encapsulation of their internal feelings right now. Maybe, uh? mom. All right, so that's yeah. where we're. That's where we are. Yeah, for yeah. now. For now. Uh, and then he just leaves Jake with her for three hours. So uh, Cisco ben. finishes his meeting. He returns home to find that Jake is no longer on the station. Maybe don't leave her with the evil mirror universe version of your wife for a thousand different reasons. Uh, so she's been ab Jake has been abducted to the other side, and uh, however, she left a gizmo that transports you back over. A gizmo that looks exactly like a lightsaber. It, you kind of, yeah, because we're going over to Star Wars. We, that's true. In fact, even, we, I mean, Andrew Robinson and Worf, is, if that's not a subtle, if not so subtle, homage or call to Jabba and Leia, I don't know what is. Yeah, it's one big S&M game. Mm -hmm. Like, let's let's all be honest about what we're, what's happening here. So, uh, anyway... Cisco, Kira, and O'Brien try to beam over to the other side, but only Cisco goes. He's greeted because he's not invited. Uh, he's greeted by Mirror O'Brien, who holds him at gunpoint, and Jake has been taken hostage. You, you, you know this was going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody shows up from the Mirror Universe. They're going to abduct you and take you over. This has happened like four times already. Yeah, we just thought. I guess. I guess the, the subversion is that we thought we were with, up with the. Good oh my guys. god. I finally saw it. Kara oh, Kessler. <laughs> oh my God, that's fantastic. We'll 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 get to that. Mm -hmm. We are definitely going to get to that. So in Act Two, Smiley O'Brien is now in charge and sits in Mirror Cisco's office. He explains they lured him over to help with the Mirror Defiant. Smiley stole the plans from Cisco's universe and built a copy. And he needs Cisco's help to make it go. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe put a better firewall so that someone can't steal the most uh, important battle warship in the quadrant mm -hmm. in ten seconds without you noticing. But uh, so they have four days to fix it before the Alliance tries to retake the station, or Darth Worf takes over. Help us, and we'll get you out before the battle begins. Then Mir Bashir comes in with a terrible wig and punches Cisco because he owes it from him, owes it to him from a previous encounter, uh, where he punched him. They uh, they go to Quarks and they find Mirror Nog in charge, since Mirror Quark and Mirror Rom are already dead. Um, and of course, like Jake is like, ah, everything's great. This is great. They've got uh, they've got Dabo ladies and my buddy is there and my goodness. Jake is enraptured by all of this and doesn't feel the danger. I think great plotting here, great writing, definitely tell there's some Ira, Ira DNA all over it because I think use bringing Eisenberg in to 
just counterpoint it and remind us, right? So it's easy for us even watching it to get not confused, but to get swept up in the mom of it all, right? And like the the story yeah. of that, and the like. Well, maybe there's some connection, and like could maybe the story's going that there's some, and even she says it, right? Because they are the same, but in different universes, maybe there's some crossover. Nog is there to remind us: no crossover, no friendship, no similar feelings, polar opposite, right? Just to remind, yeah. so you that juxtaposition is always there to keep the audience sort of objective in the whole thing. I well, think it's and, important. and you're, I mean. And of course, like Mirror Universe, when we first saw it on uh, the original series, we kind of get this is like the opposite universe, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's not really the opposite universe. Mm -hmm. It's just a darker experiences for all roughly the same people. So it's not That might have been their initial kind of conceit for it, but upon revisiting, they realized that that keeping up that would be just too tricky and, and kind of a waste of time. It's almost like when you do time travel, your choices are to be really specific or to kind of just be like, all right, time travel, time travel. And so you don't have well, to I, worry about wormholes. Yeah. Well, because it's, it, it's really true because you're, if it were all opposite, right, then everybody we know would be just because we're all super good, right? They're all super bad, and like our friends would have to be the Jem'Hadar. They'd be the good guys and uh, whatever. It's just, it's just a darker timeline. Mm-hmm. It's it's more just like a it, it's it's not mirror universe. It's like darker universe. Yeah. But anyway, that's what we're doing. So, uh, so uh, Cisco pulls Jennifer aside. He's like, "Don't let my so- don't let the Dabo prostitutes hang out with Jake." Yeah, yeah, you know, and Jake's like, "This is great." Doesn't what happens I'm in the universe? It's cool. I'm forty. I'm forty. Yeah. And uh, as as Cisco, we're going to address that later. What happens in the mirror universe stays in the mirror universe, apparently. Yeah, we got a reminder. Yeah. Oof, sure did. Uh, Jennifer explains to Ben that this was all mostly his idea, uh, i.e., Jake's, and she thinks Jake's feelings are the small price. Oh, yes, all her idea, and. This is cold. She yeah. thinks Jake's feelings are a small price to pay to fight the Alliance. Oof. Which made it clear. She made clear already. I mean, by kidnapping him? So... Like, I'm going to kidnap him and break his brain mm-hmm. uh, for my purposes here. But then, like, at the end, we're all going to be, like, totally fine and really sad that she's dead. It's very confusing I mean, let, here. It, 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 well, I mean, making the choice is making the choice, right? She... I mean, her point here that that does ring true, but you have to like bend everything else around it. Is she's like, hey, you made me join the alliance, and it, or the rebels, right. and in the their rebels, world, right. it's life or everything's life or death, right? You either win or right. they're gonna the empire is gonna squash you. So if you're going to if you need their help and you're willing to go to the lengths of kidnapping then i guess what are some emotional feelings right it's later when she's like oh maybe we could all live happy you're like what what, what? you can't go but you can't take yeah. it back you can't put the genie back in the bottle baby yeah that's that's true that's true meanwhile i just don't understand why ben isn't more pissed well i i agree i agree like he's he goes along with a lot of this really easy yeah and then decides to, well, we'll get there, but like this, this just like, and then when he gets out, he's like, nah, let's do Last Starfighter. Uh, yeah, it's, there's some strange choices made yeah. by, it, it's almost like we get Mirror Ben, even though he's Prime Ben, anyway. I mean, so, if I can like, just kind of fix this in the beginning so that we don't get, right. 
if that opening teaser, if we are to take, if we if we go with my original, is maybe he's the allure of the adventure and the wife of it of, of the allure of the alternate universe must be strongly pulling on Ben for him to kind of acquiesce so easily. So let's just like I mean, put him under a spell while he's there. I, like I I get it is it is a it is a mind f dealing with Jennifer too, right? But like it's not the holodeck. Like, it's not just the gen st- of it, though, right? So, like, imagine alternate... So, if she... If we are to understand that there's a little crossover with alternate gen and original gen, then there must right. be a little alternate Ben inside of our Ben. So, like, maybe the pull of that... The Kira, because remember when she gets up to his ear and the, he was so swashbuckling and adventury over here, maybe he's just, like... I don't know. I'm trying, man. I mean, yeah, but like for for me, I mean, he can bang indiscriminately over here, friends. I mean, I I mean, he treats it like a holodeck for sure, and like I I get it, like like this this gives you a chance to like bang all your friends that you're not allowed to in real life, right? But that's like, but I think the the, the difference for me is Jake's there, and Jake's having a great time. Jake's having a great time, but like if you bring like if you brought my cat Charlie. Mm-hmm. To like a dangerous universe where he might die all the time, I'd be freaking the f out. Yeah, I mean they do play it like they went safe. to Cabo on spring break together. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not spring break. <laughs> it's more Come like on. I don't know, like war torn. People are dying right and left. You've seen ever like like yeah, you get to bang the bang one of your friends. You've also seen multiple multiple of them vaporized. Like we can only do so many cast members in this because they're all dead. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, meanwhile, on a fleet of Alliance ships, a chained Mirror Garrick is taken to meet the Regent, who is Mirror Worf. Dorn does a great evil Worf, and Garrick is basically just Garrick. Well, I was uh, my pitch before I had seen this scene was that it'd be great if, if this in this universe, when they once they built a Defiant, like a vagrant Worf begins squatting in it, so that it kind of <laughs> parallels our universe. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, but we got this is better. Better choice. I've got squatters' rights. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Garrick was the only officer to escape when the rebels took over Tarek Nor. But the intendant, i.e., Kira, was captured. Garrick says, Your fairness and good judgment are everything I heard it to be. Believe me, my regent, it will take the blood of many rebels to quench my thirst of revenge. Spoken like a true Klingon. And the Garrick's or Andrew's take on "I'm trying" oh, was so good. made me laugh out loud. Yep, lol. Uh, meanwhile, this whole thing with Garrick and Worf is one big long sex game. Let's the this whole is episode, like whole, man. The whole episode is one big long sex game. So in Act Three, on Tarek Nor, Mirror Defiant is being refit rapidly under Cisco's supervision. So I think it's important here to mention Keith uh, because we've seen some good effects, but. The effects in this episode are better than anything we've seen from the from the composites yes. to the lasers to the thing. Someone in the chat had postulated that this is around the time when they switched FX houses. To digital. Well, I don't know if they... I don't know that they switched FX... They, they very well may have, but I know that this is... We are, we are crossing the digital divide here. Mm. So, um, so that started, I believe... At the end of last season, we started switching, but this is all now. These ships are digital, and mm-hmm. and what we're able to do in those battle sequences are just never conceived of on on original C- or uh, next gen. 
I mean, and you I just think, go from the like some of those Odo gooing shots from earlier seasons, and then you show yeah. this, and you're like, oh, it's the same show. Uh, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, and the Odo gooing is always going to look like the Odo gooing because it has to be consistent. But the what they're able to do with the movement of the ships and the ships interacting each other once they switch to digital from practical is completely different. Mm -hmm. And and like, you know, the the final sequence of of the uh, defiant like zipping yeah, around and cool. through these things like never would have been possible before and it's really cool and and something that we are playing with in the mirror universe but when we get to it in the regular universe it's it is jaw-dropping compared to what we're we've ever seen on star trek before and it allows it's it to really... live in both worlds right whereas trek usually kind of maintained a more sort of it's about the problem solving and the storytelling right, rather right. than the action. Well, if you can do both, why not do both? You can do both, yeah. And since we're already, we're basically Star Wars over here anyway, mm -hmm. go for it, right? Um, you know, it's going to be much more exciting when it's in our universe yeah, and the stakes the, are different. it matters. Mm -hmm. The stakes are different, but it's really fun to see that they can do it now. Anyway, um, so Mirror Dax comes in and slaps Cisco for making love to her under false pretenses, which is a pretty damn legit reason to be mad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, that is just flat out unethical. <laughs> so I get, like, you're like a spy, you're undercover, whatever, whatever. But, like, that's uh, that's getting into, like, SVU territory there, there Cisco. We would not be, we would not do that today. Uh, anyway, then they're called to the sound of Intendant Kira being tortured by Bashir. Bashir is clearly hooking up with Dax in this universe, but Kira asks Sisko for help escaping, and if not a if not a booty call with her former assistant, because everybody's super horny. Mm -hmm. So on Worf's ship, he's briefed on the development of the new Defiant. Garrick mentions he was able to please Intendant Kira now and then. We're veering into very specific S&M fantasy here with Garrick on the floor <laughs> in chains. That's what I wrote. <laughs> Worf says, you're not my type. Once again, reinforcing that there's a lot of sexual fluidity in this universe, which uh, is both sort of fun and cool, but also a little dicey because, uh, you know, you're, 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 gender fluidity your sexual fluidity in the 90s was also a like code for evil and uh, so all your bad guys okay were like fluid and i'm like i don't like that but I'll i do buy that but i would say that the fact that it is not treated comedically in any sort of way for like overtly comedically is for the 90s progressive well I, exactly so i i think you have on one hand Nobody is shocked and appalled by it. It's just like, okay, sure, you know. But on the other hand, they're all bad guys. Mm -hmm. So I, I, th I think there's a, there's a little bit of a one hand or the other hand with that as an idea. To be, to be fair, that not fair to add to that, just to kind of broaden it. <clears throat> it's not just the fluidity and the genderness of it. It's it's a lot of just like sexual exploration, like BDSM and alternative sexual practices. I don't even alternative, just like non-mainstream sexual practices are often in media that look, looked that way, like evil or uh, nefarious right, bad, in some sort of way. Right, bad guys or whatever. I mean, you know, Buffalo Buffalo Bill is a perfect example of that. Yeah. You know, from which which is pretty dicey now when you think about it. 
Uh, and like, cause like, oh, that doesn't mean evil. It just yeah. means, you know, like they're, they're coincidental, but they are, they seem tied. Anyway, on the station, Jake has cooked dinner for Jennifer and Cisco arrives exhausted. Jake, Jake keeps stalling, wanting to stay with Jennifer as long as possible. But he heads off to clean up and Jennifer massages Cisco and compliments him on his parenting of Jake. So she's trying to bang him. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And uh, she admits that she is drawn to both of them as well. Uh, Cisco, of course, and Jake, the son she never had. O'Brien arrives and says the fleet is eight hours away and they're out of time. So in Act 4, they frantically try to finish up work, but they need more time. So Bashir and Dax offer to slow the the, uh, the attacking ships down with a, their little raider. So they go to Kira for intelligence on the Alliance. So uh, Sisko and Kira spar while he tries to convince her to help, and she has a great line. Violence is a precision instrument. It's a scalpel, not a club. Uh, that's, some, that's some good writing right there. When she realizes she's going to be blamed regardless of what happens, she relents and she tells them that the Alliance have weak targeting systems fooled by warp shadows. We don't really do much with that. We we pet off a little bit, but it ends up not being why it happened. Anyway, so on the Klingon bridge, but Derek it is, is it being... Is a, it, is some, it is... You could look at it as very strategic on her point, right? She gives them just enough to get herself potentially free, although I guess she doesn't get free. That, no, that was a Deus Machina for her. Well, I mean, she she gets herself free, briefly. Yeah. Uh, who knows? So, uh, on the Klingon bridge, Garrick is being thrown around. Worf thinks he stole the key to his chains, and apparently he forgot the safe word. You've searched me three times already. Where could I possibly be hiding it? Uh, we know. Perhaps you swallowed it. Impossible. I'm very particular about what I eat. Just get a room already. (laughs) Worf then stabs Garrick in the stomach before his dum-dum assistant discovers that he had the key the whole time. Uh, What was the point of all of that other than doing a little cosplay slash fiction? I don't know, but that's what happened. Well, when you've got... They were like, just chew, you know. If we're gonna chew, <laughs> let's chew. Let just like let's let's add a beat here where they can. We all know what's we all know what's going on. Like Garrick's not even in prison. They're, I they're don't just, even think it's just, thinly veiled. <laughs> no, it's just flat. <laughs> yeah. But you know, nineteen ninety six me had like teenagers no, like, oh wow, what a tough guy. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I see what's happening here. Anyway, uh, they see six rebel raiders on their sensors. But we find out it's just Bashir and Kira in their single ship trying to fool them with fake warp signatures. The battle begins and the Alliance shoots wildly. Back on the Defined, Jennifer comes in to help. Um, now, eh, got like a big old wormhole here. Because as we've reinforced multiple times thus far, we are on a ticking clock. Mm-hmm. We have to get this ship fixed uh, before we go and get obliterated. Cisco hasn't slept. They're frantic. The clock tick, 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 tick. And uh, Jennifer just now reminds us, oh, she's an engineering genius. But she was hanging out, eating dinner with Jake. It wasn't helping in the desperate rush to get the Defiant going uh, important to her at, at all until now. 
which uh, is craziness. I believe that is a great wormhole, Keith, and I'm going to expound on it when we get to the oh, wormhole okay. section. Okay. She says that she has now told Jake the truth, that she was only there on a ruse, but he didn't care because she reminds him of his mother. Ugh, poor guy. She says she's going to send Jake back to the safe universe. Oh. And in a, oh, nice of you to think of that now. Like, Cisco's already here. Jake should have been gone a long time ago. Yeah, her journey made no sense here because just now you're feeling so sorry you kidnapped him? Like, what changed? Having dinner a couple times? Mm, nah, something doesn't... Maybe rubbing his shoulders and thinking... I think maybe if we... I could maybe explain that when she allowed herself that fantasy, right, when she's rubbing the shoulders and she starts to think out loud about, well, my husband's dead, I didn't get to have this world, but it exists, so maybe you could, like, fill that void... And she realized at that point, her maternal instincts kick in. And she's like, well, I'll just kidnap my son and put him in danger. I should let him go. Maybe, but that's a, that's well, a run I, around I the block. Think, I think perhaps in the universe that she lives in, so much interaction is so transactional. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whatever, survival-based. But Jake Sisko is so painfully sweet and open-hearted that I think she just, like... She hasn't really dealt with somebody like that in her right. universe. So, anyway. In a roundabout way, she asks Ben if she would ever be into her. And he says, no. Harsh. Not under the, not in the context. No, no you're right. you you're abducted right. my son and brought him into a war zone. Yeah, okay. So, uh, on the mirror promenade... I mean, Jake if you want to play that card... Yeah, well, you know, just abducted me, brought me into a thing that was about to be attacked by the uh, by Darth Vader, by Darth Worf in like eight hours. So on the mirror promenade, Jake is standing in Jake and Nog's spot when Mirror Nog comes up to chase him away, much like, uh, you know, I quarked it. This Nog is not friendly, and Jennifer comes up and takes calls Jake away. Meanwhile, Mirror Kira tries to seduce a one-eyed Dennis Madelone. And he points out, you sentenced my wife to death. Kira says, isn't that a coincidence? I was hoping you weren't married. Hilarious. She's, I mean, everything Kira does, every alternate line. character she plays, incredible. It, it's just a great line. Just really well done. Then Mirror Nog comes in and rescues her. Wasn't aware we were on the same side. And Nog says, you killed my father and my uncle. Thanks to you, I own the bar. The Klingons have arrived, and they're starting to attack the station. O'Brien is getting ready to launch the Defiant. You'd think maybe they would have launched it before, but he convinces Sisko to take the chair and command the ship in the attack. Sisko, you're kind of important in our universe. Maybe, uh... One of my biggest problems with this whole episode is how flip he is here. It's like he, his he thinks it's the holodeck when as he's weighing it like you they give him a beat they give him like a full like 12 seconds of this beat to think about it and make the decision but it's with that smirk on his face it's that like you said it's like the well, I get it's like a buddy at the arcade being like come on one more round of Street Fighter and he's like okay yeah yeah like but why why does everybody from our universe know that, oh, this is a mirror episode. Anything goes. Yeah. Well, even Smiley there, right? Like, so you could play this beat. They they set it up, right, where he's like, well, we, we just built this whole ship. 
and I don't really know how to do like fly it. So like even all this work, and I might get us blowed up anyway. Right. Well, then that is that is worth been considering. But the way he does it is kind of like jokey, and it's a little bit like pulling my leg, and you're a little like, come on, you know, it's weird. It's just it's like, are there stakes here or aren't there? That's it. We'll talk about that later. But stakes is where the episode yeah. kind of bottoms out for me. But yeah. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, Kira and Nog head for the exit to escape under the cover of the attack. And Kira, of course, kills Nog, so he won't tell anyone. Not a great survival rate for Ferengis in the Mirror Universe. We're running out, so write them out of the future episodes. And then, like, the makeup team is like, sweet! Yep. (laughs) Then, Jennifer and Jake run into Kira, who holds a phaser on them both. Uh-oh. So in Act 5, the battle rages, and the Klingon ships are chased by the Defiant through and around the station, which is super cool looking, but doesn't the station have shields? Come on, buddy. But I, I guess they're down. I guess they're down. I'll I'll, I'll fix that. They it's had to worth divert all to the power see. to the building supplies for the Defiant. Yeah, yeah exactly. The 2 by 4s Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, look how cool it looks, though. It really looks awesome. And because it's digital, the the 4K upscale is like, thank you, let's go. Yeah, it's 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 exciting. I love it. So uh, Kira monologues with Jennifer and Jake. Jennifer tries to save Jake, but then Kira tries to shoot him, and of course Jennifer steps in to to save Jake and is shot. And Kira asks why she protected Jake, and Jake says she's my mother. Well, in that case, give your father a message from me. Tell him I spared your life, and that's a debt I intend to collect. Playing forward on her violence is a scalpel. She knows this is that's a right. long game, which is she's the only person acting in the reality of this world, this episode. Well, it's because she's thinking clearly. Mike, do you you, you want to know why she's thinking clearly? Because she already banged Cisco? Because she's wearing her tinfoil hat. See? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the battle continues to rage, and the Defiant does a suicide run straight at Worf's ship. Cisco takes the helm. He flies around the giant ship like a gnat and dodges fire. It goes down Meanwhile, the chute at the end of the Death Star. I mean, that's wait. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Goes he, he goes. There's he only goes, one opening, sir- one chance for success. You don't say. Oh, that's where Garrick hid the key. So you gotta go. You gotta go explore. Mm-hmm. He's asking you to. So, uh, Worf's ship is taking heavy damage. Then they are joined by Bashir's little ship, and they continue, I don't know where that was, but they continue damaging Worf's cruiser. The battle sequences, as I mentioned, are wildly more complex and exciting than anything we've ever seen on The Next Generation. It works, and the Alliance ships break off the attack and leave. O'Brien is astonished that they won the battle. Garrick tells Worf it was the intendant who betrayed them. Of course, in this case, he's actually right. Look at that face. Ooh, what That's a awesome. screenshot, yeah. That's a great screenshot. I might end up on the uh, thumbnail. We'll see. So, uh, back on Tarek Nor, Jake is at Jennifer's bed when Ben comes in. She's going to die. And she dies holding Ben's hand. And father and son mourn Jennifer a second time time. Let's go home. It's the final line of the episode and it's time for us to go home. Mike, 
Let us talk about wormholes in the plot. We've identified a few, but I think we've got a fair amount to talk about here. Yeah, I mean, you know, wormholes, I usually, we, we, unless they're glaring, we don't generally even, they don't usually bother me. But when it's clear to me in retrospect that something happens just for production standpoint, clearly, instead of making the plot make sense, it starts at the very top here. And so I have to mention it. I get it. I get why they don't, why Kira and O'Brien don't beam over because then they'd, they'd have to do shots where they're both playing two different characters and then. Yeah, sure. But like Keith said, if the whole conceit of this episode is that they're trying to build this thing as humanly po- as fast as humanly possible, why the hell wouldn't they bring over O'Brien and let him in? They could use two O'Briens working on it along with Ben. They could have done it in half the time. And then we don't That's have to true. kidnap everybody. They, I mean, I guess they would say they don't have leverage over him. But like, if they leverage over Cisco, Cisco will well, say help they, them out. Yeah. Well, if they if they if it's the clearly they have control over the transporters, so why don't you just let them be over and then don't let them beam back until they do the thing? If you really want, I mean, like it ain't that hard to figure out. Clearly, it's like they they, they have all of this technology, all these abilities, and the only thing they think can help them is Cisco. Yeah. I mean, Cisco is very useful. But like, sure, they have other things in the arsenal. So then along those same lines, wormhole-wise, plot-wise, would be, okay, if if Cisco at the end is going to be so willing to not only build the ship, but then pilot it for them and do the battle, why did they need the leverage of kidnapping him in the first place? It seems like he's pretty game. I mean, yeah. It, they, they could have just like asked, like, yeah, hey, like, here's hey. the situation. Can you help us? Can you send a team of engineers in to... Fact, probably would have been more effective and they would have probably been able to offer more support and assistance. They'd have brought a whole engineering team over and if it and if he said no, then you kidnapped him. Yeah, and also why did you have to steal the blueprints in the first place? I feel like we would have given them to you. Well, it's pretty pretty it's highly classified. Yeah, but it's different. There's clearly it's another no dimension that, that hops over once well, a year. Well, the hopping is an issue. The hopping could be an issue. I mean, they abduct somebody at least so like I mean why I segmented my uh my They're like a bad neighbor. My Google devices and my video cameras on a separate VLAN on my net- network. I mean I don't like the interdimension hopping even in my own network. So I guess I, that's... As as well you should. That's why I don't have cameras inside my house cuz I'm not a freaking lunatic. D- different podcast. Jen needs to see the cats eat when we're away, Keith. <laughs> it is Yeah, but you have them on 24/7. Well, that is true. It's that's yeah, but that's so, just sheer laziness. Okay. Anyway, hey guys, what 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 would the patrons pay to have a twenty four twenty four an hour? I mean, live feed of your entire house. There is a song that comes to mind. Ain't too proud to pay, sweet darling. I'll show you my cameras for a fee. Uh, I mean, we all know that. Yeah, my uh, OnlyFans I mean, separate Patreon. <laughs> yeah, there's there's plenty of websites where you can pay for that, but very specifically. Uh, anyway, where were uh, we? Yeah, where were we? Uh, so those yeah. stick out, as well as, I guess, Jennifer's journey, right? Like, at what point, it's not clear when she... Because they, they go to, to lengths to try to, like, make her, in the beginning, seem like this was all about 
I just don't, I don't really actually know whether she was, where her motivations were. And perhaps they change, but I don't think they do a good job drawing that distinction. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think, I think she is charmed by having, by having Jake, for sure. But again, we establish when we first meet her, she is not just an engineer. She is a genius. Mm-hmm. Like she, you know, the the whole alliance is using her to create super weapons or whatever it is, right? So by doing this whole ruse and getting Cisco to help, yes, he does know the ship. He was a ship designer in the past, so like he's very useful. But it takes her off of the battlefield of engineering and making this thing go. It makes absolutely no sense, and I feel like it, it, like there's there's something. There's something sexist in there, like, oh, we forgot that she's like a genius engineer, and like, go, let's go make her be mom for a while. I mean, and... plot-wise, yes, I would agree to that. I will say that to be fair, I'm watching it digitally, and I'm doing a podcast about it, and I mm-hmm. forgot the entirety of the plot of the sub universe or the alternate universe. So I can only imagine those watching in real time with no, you know, unless you VCR'd and watch back up. Most people probably forgot, and they probably assumed but most people forgot. But if you're writing it, you know. <laughs> I mean, you wrote it. I mean, to be fair. Uh, but they started I, with, what if let's play with Jennifer as stand-in mom for Lonely Jake? I think that was like the on the, the, on the sticky no, note as, at the time. No, as the, yes, 100%. That's, that's what And that they kind was. of wrote down from there. Yeah. So. Yeah, no. So, it's, so the wormhole-wise, so clearly we have nits to pick. So before I, we do I think so. The, yeah, I think the, the biggest the biggest wormhole problems are not the specifics of the whatever. It's the characters acting out of character. Yeah. It's Cisco working out of character and Jennifer, who knows? It's interesting too, because I think some of the best scenes, I will say, I I just, I loved Worf and Garrick just chewing the scenery. I mean, in a, in a completely like atonal, unnecessary, I mean, they're, they're doing their, their own OnlyFans yeah. over on the Klingon ship. So, like, but I was here for it. It was like watching. Uh, it was like watching RuPaul's Drag Race, right? It's just the camp of it is what I was just here for, and it sure. delivered. Yeah. So, uh, so that I definitely want to shout out. But I also say that we're about. To, I'm gonna. We're gonna. I'm gonna talk about my dis. My. Uh, I didn't love the structure and the plot and the stakes and stuff. We'll talk about all that in a moment. But what I will say. So there were some specific, and Keith pointed them out lovingly in his in his write up. So there were some like incredible written dialogue lines, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that isn't always the case. And we, it was great, especially the Kira stuff. Kira had some great lines, or alternate yeah. Kira they intended. Yeah. And uh, so I think actually the dialogue may be the best part of this, my best moments of this episode. Yeah, I, that's that's. Yeah, because from a from a writing standpoint, right? There are lots of different elements about what makes writing, and the plot, and the characters, and the dialogue are all three separate things, mm-hmm. right? And so the plot work here, I don't know. The character work here, I don't know. The dialogue, crackling type, mm-hmm. and which is why is, I think it feels. Really cool. Uh, so disparate in many ways. So let's uh, discuss why that is, Keith. Yeah, uh, but I'll say oh, for, my, oh, for my best. Forget it. Oh, for goodness <laughs> sakes. I can't undo it once I hit the button. <laughs> There's no undo. 
for who? All right, go ahead and go. What was your best moment before we, before? Uh, Sorry be, about that. Best moment was the new Pew Pews. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Just like, so cool. They, they really outdid themselves on the battle sequences. Super fun, super great. Makes me very excited about the future of the um, Pew Pews. Keith, let's, let's alternate universe here and start okay. with you. Okay. Yeah, all right. So, um... I, I should s sort of state right off the top. I'm not a huge fan of the Mirror Universe stuff. Um, it's not that I don't enjoy the camp of it. I, I do enjoy the camp of it. I enjoy the, like, you know, what the hell? Let's do crazy stuff. I enjoy people being able to, like, choose scenery and do different versions of their whatever. I enjoy the, um, the fun playground that we get to play in, right? I think the problem for me is that it feels like a playground. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people are dying right and left. So you feel like the stakes are high. And it's, you know, it, especially in the first, the first one I think was the most successful because it felt dangerous and confusing. It was dark. It was seedy. The stakes were like, oh, are we actually going to survive? Are we going to be able to escape here? And it was like, we're trapped in this in this dark universe and we need to get out. Well, as we moved on, a couple of things have happened. One, getting back and forth, whatever. We just gizmoed that away. It's not, it's not, it's nothing to be concerned about. Nothing is not a challenge anymore. And we nerfed the sort of stakes. Not necessarily that the stakes aren't there. People are still dying right and left. But we nerfed whether our heroes particularly are concerned about that. And and so it's as a result, it doesn't feel real. It it, it feels like this weird it feels like cosplay. It feels like, like a fanfic as opposed to something that has any real any reality. So then it doesn't really matter, right? It's like it's like you're playing the zombie version of Red Dead. Like, okay, sure, it's kind of fun, but like, it has nothing, no bearing whatsoever on the rest of the game or any of the, all the character work that we've done here. And I think that the, the Jennifer Cisco thing, I think, is a really interesting idea, right? And the first time we met here, and they're in their interplay with Cisco and Jennifer there trying to figure out like, how do I relate to this person? That is my wife. That isn't my wife. That is whatever. And you have the subterfuge angle of like, let me, I'm pretending to be not, I am as ever. I think that was all more interesting as a concept in this episode. I just think the execution isn't very good. Like, and, <laughs> and so the, the, the Jake of it all, it should be like giant emotional stakes for Jake, but it's not really, he doesn't really have much agency. He's, he also like is not able, he goes like goo goo for somebody who looks like his mother, but isn't. And like Jake is smart enough to make that distinction. And he clearly doesn't. He clearly it, like, so it, so if the reason he doesn't is that his trauma is, is he dealing with the weird psychological, you know, like mind freak of it all? Yeah, okay, so tell that story. We didn't really tell any of those stories, so none of it really mattered at all. And so at the very end, we're closing this shot where we're supposed to be like, oh, God, our hearts are torn out for these people who have to mourn their mother a second time. I think that's, you know, like, if, if you pitch me, 
Jake meets alternate mother. At the end, she dies. They have to mourn mom again. Or he's given the opportunity to mourn. He didn't really. He's get given to the opportunity. Again. Absolutely, yeah. Is, is this a is this a healing process? Is this return? I don't know. As you said, if that's a note card on the bulletin board, like okay, I'm interested in that episode. That seems, but that we didn't really do any of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so as a result, like I just I don't know why I care. It's it's like a it's like cotton candy. It's cool to look at and it tastes good for a second, but it dissolves instantly. And I'm like, I don't even remember that I ate it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think there's some really cool stuff. You know, I, I think it's a it's a great setup for cosplay. I mean, I'm sure somewhere out there there's a there's a Chancellor Wharf dragging around Garrick and you know at that at a convention somewhere, and that's fun. Yeah, where's those right? custom figures, right? Right. <laughs> yes. That I mean, it's a twin pack. Mm-hmm. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Oh, with like with like the little dungeon they've got Com- their commission. Little... Shall we? I mean, we will. Whoever wants to do it. We're commissioning it, and somebody's. We will, we'll give you that sweet, yeah. sweet Patreon money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like one of those like dirty anime figures. Uh, anyway, so what does it all add up to? Like, it's a lot better than a lot of the boring episodes. It's mm-hmm. not boring, and it is it is sort of fun. So I don't think it's like bad. I just don't think it rises to the level of like good Deep Space Nine. It's sort of like okay, yeah, we we did it. It's not even. It's not one of the better mirror universes to me personally. So, um, at the end, you get a seventy-one from me. Cool. Uh, this is. I'm in this. I won't restate a lot of what Keith was saying, but I will. I will point out one. I think at a point you made that I think is just excellent. It's so you know video games have dealt with forever a thing i think it's i believe it's called narrative dissonance narrative and mechanical dissonance basically in a lot of open world video games the first one hour is very strong i'm going to use an example from fallout for an example this is from fallout 4 but it goes to many different games keith you wake up you were uh there was going to be a nuclear explosion right and so they they put you in a pod and basically you're cryo frozen for a period of time until after the fallout of this nuclear war and they're like it turns out everyone's dead but your son is alive and he's out there somewhere and so you're like i gotta go find my son right that is huge right Right. but then like within an hour of being released into the open world you're like or i could collect flowers for like 16 hours or maybe i'll go start (laughs) i might go over to fenway park and like start a small business for a little while and then like and build a base and you're like wait but wait your son you gotta go get your son right that's open world games right you have to find a way to like have this really driving plot but then you have to kind of Suspend your disbelief as to why you you're not just constantly, yeah, like you want to be right, playing right. I'm the not sandbox. sprinting to the next thing constantly. Yeah. Now there's an old rule about stakes that would say that well, it's not interesting if it's like playing poker with no real money, right? Well, then you just go in all in all the time, right? There's no, there's no fear, right. there's no risk. It's funny because they even did that in an episode where we saw well, let, it is going to be a hollow deck, the Armand Bashir, but we right. have to put in the the the, the stakes that oh, if, if people die, they really die. Right. I'm here to say that in some circumstances, I think if the stakes weren't so high, it's okay. Like if this episode was not, well, everyone's gonna die, Jake's gonna die if we if if, if the, we get pew pewed, 
it would have been better for it. Like, what if there's right. another reason? Like, oh, we have a week off, and instead of going solar sailing, Jake, there's somebody I want you to meet. And so we go over to the alternate universe, and we explore sure. some of these themes. And we get to yeah. play in the camp. It didn't need the stakes, the fake stakes, because we could we can't have both things. We can't be campy and have fun and also almost die all the time because one of them is going <laughs> to suffer. Or in, right. in this circumstance, both stuff suffer a bit. Yeah. Dissonance. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, because Cisco specifically is way too smart to... I, I can buy that he fell for this, quote-unquote, but it doesn't make any sense that, that they would have to trick him, right, as he was the one who sort of, like, helped them get to this place. Also, I think it's really sort of evil, the manipulation that she uses to get him there. And then they kind of write it off, and we're supposed to feel bad for her at the end, and the whole the thing about the mom, and you're like, what are we trying to say? It, it, none of it makes any sense. Yeah, well, he's, he's so cavalier when, like, the Cisco we know, you abduct Jake... And you bring him to a war zone, he doesn't give a shit about anything other than getting Jake out of there. Right. And instantly. like Jake's off playing with the Dabo girls, and then he's having a picnic, and then he's just like, yeah. and then when they do like, release him at the very end, you'd think he'd be the one to be like, well, then I'm going to make sure Jake gets on that transporter. But instead, he's like, nah, I think I'm going to play. I'm going to go play Pew Pew. Yeah. yeah. Makes no like, sense. Like, it's just. Cisco would be like be like i'm gonna blow up the station in 10 seconds if you don't get my son out of here i'm gonna murder people i'm gonna whatever it takes and since you brought up jake i will say i also think jake cisco is way too smart for this too yes he's probably emotionally conflicted but there's no way he's not smart enough to try to they just you like you said they removed all the agency away from some really smart characters i think that rom actually had the most uh or Nog had the most sort of consistent... He made sense, yeah. right. And Kira. Nog and Kira made yes. sense, yeah. Uh, but they were so small. I would say the, the B-plot with the Worf and the Garrick stuff was fun, but seems sort of to stand out because it's not in the same universe, right? Like, their stakes don't seem to be as high as the danger. You never feel any danger. Right, right. You, the you stakes never feel concerned are, for are anybody. are entirely are entirely feigned. And yep. that's a problem. Yep. Uh, but like you said, the dialogue is very, is whip smart, is laugh out loud funny in spots. Uh, the performances, for the most part, are pretty good. I, I, I really feel bad for Alexander Siddig this week. I just can't believe they made him do that a week after giving him such great stuff. Knowing they're not dumb. They knew from, that there's certain things he excels at and certain he does not. Um, all in all, they tried to address some things. I think they use it as an opportunity to address the Dax of it all. The at least they called it back. Yeah, a touch. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little more lukewarm on it than you. I'm going to say 67, but uh, by no means bad, uh, and not boring. And the effects are exciting going forward. So I yep. think, I think we 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 are similar. I'm just a little more lukewarm on it. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, that is Shatter oh. Mirror. Oh, oh, we've been turned into the the, the Mirror Dark Universe gone. here. Yeah, I don't know why. We're just floating in the void. Uh, anyway, you can check out all of our other shows very darkly. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much <laughs> for watching. Great. We'll see you back next here next week with The Muse. That's going to be interesting oh, to Oh, where did this one rank? We about. always forget. This was a 7.1 on IMDb, which is 123 out of 173. So I think most people agreed 
with our sort of like eh about this episode. All right, then we'll see you back next week. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM. <laughs>